This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters, where we talk all things property, uh, what's happening in the region, sometimes nationally and occasionally internationally, if a story is interesting enough to bring to you. So a lot's been happening in property in Manawatu, Wanganui lately, and I was out at an open home on the weekend. And this was a property in Milson, and they were looking at buyers over... 799. Can you believe that? Buyers over 799 for a property in Milson. It's not in the part where the new houses are. It's in the part where the older houses are. And what was amazing about that was it was packed with people. It was absolutely packed. And it's just amazing that thinking back what 799 plus would have got you 10 years ago is quite amazing. And that brings me to uh, discuss with you or to talk uh, with you a little bit about what's happening in Wanganui Manawatu with regards the rental markets. Let's have a look. The Real Estate Institute of New Zealand monthly statistics have come out for November and what they do is they compare November of this year to November of last year. Bindi Norwell, the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO, brings us some comments and this is what she has said about Manawatu Wanganui. Median house prices in Manawatu Wanganui region increased 25.8% from November 2020, oh sorry, beg your pardon, in November 2020 to a record 503,000 median house price from 399,750 in November 2019. This is the fifth consecutive month of new record prices being recorded. 413 properties were sold in November up 0.2% from the same time last year, but inventory reached a record low in November, decreasing 38.4% annually to 430. Now this equates to six weeks of stock. Now what does that mean? It means that if nobody listed any houses, we would run out completely in six weeks. She says that the attendance at open homes has remained high, with many properties receiving multiple offers and strong prices. Investors had a mixed reaction in November with some looking for more properties due to low interest rates from the banks and low returns on their money otherwise, whilst other investors have been selling their investment properties as the new tenancy laws take effect. Although demand is high, there are less cash buyers than this time last year and purchasers are taking their time and ensuring they fulfil their due diligence. That's from Bindi Norwell of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. Now I'm not sure how much of the due diligence is happening in a market where you have to make uh, an offer as attractive as possible. A symptom of a very busy market with multiple offers often is that people remove clauses to make their offers as good as possible. And that's a bit scary. For example, this property I was looking at in Milson at 799 plus. If I was a buyer and wanted to make a good offer, I'd try to make that a offer uh, cash, ideally, or subject only to finance, and forego things I might have otherwise done, like a registered valuation, a building report, 
residential property import report and so forth. So it's so what we find is that vendors, the sellers, are receiving multiple offers in our region and they can just choose the one that is most appealing. It's not always the highest price. So that's some uh, pretty interesting stats there. Um, the properties are selling in two-thirds of the time uh, as they have done on the 10-year average in our region. So let's uh, break this down a little bit in regards to prices, etc., and areas within that uh, Wanganui Manawatu area. Palmer's North City median price in a year has gone from four seventy four to six oh two. Now that's almost one hundred and thirty thousand dollars on the median house price in one year. Incredible if you own property. Absolutely incredible. Sales are down. By volume, prices are up, which is often the correlation. So as a percentage, that's a 27% increase on the value of the median home in one year. Incredible. No wonder people are buying property. Outside of Palmas North, the Manawatu district has gone up 15.9% to 521500 Horafenua a big move to record median house price of half a million dollars up from 385000 a year ago, and that's a virtually a 30% increase. It's also worthy of mentioning that Tararua District has gone from 247 to 405. That's a 64% increase in 12 months. That is quite outstanding. Could be to do with the gorge project going ahead. Could be due to people drifting north from Wellington as prices in Wellington get uh, incredibly high, which I'll talk about soon. As well as that, Wanganui District, 38.1% increase from 320 to 442. So again, it's about $122,000 that the median house price in the Wanganui District has gone up. So these are huge gains, huge gains. To put that in context, that's around $2,000 a week in Wanganui, in Palmas North, if you had that $130,000, that's over $2,000 a week on the median house price that people are gaining in equity. And this is why the why the investors are not slowing down in a sense. It's not just capital gain, but if you already own properties and they're going up by that amount, 30%, for every $100,000 you have in that property, you'll get or, uh, or that it was worth, you'll, you'll receive $30,000 of equity. In other words, a rise of the value of property. Now that equity can be used to buy more properties and that's where investors are still active in the market, of course. There is a trend line in the Real Estate Institute report uh, and there's been rapid acceleration in that trend line uh, in terms of the last few months when compared to a year ago have been all around about that 30% mark for Manawatu Wanganui. Tough, tough going if you're looking to buy, and we might have a few tips on that later in the programme. So now we'll go to a bit of local news, which impacts on Post State Highway 3. That's the, the Gorge Road, um, but it just got too dangerous. And the only alternatives that have been in place the last few years are steep and windy. That's the Saddle Road and the Piatua Track that have been carrying more than 6,000 vehicles a day. And that's caused those roads to degrade significantly, and crashes have been happening uh, regularly. So Tiaru 
so beg your pardon, Te Ahu Tauranga will be a significant upgrade on the Gorge Road with four lanes, one and a half metre wide shoulders, a central median barrier and separate path for walkers and cyclists. So that new road primarily will be used for moving a lot of freight faster between Manawatu, Tararua, Hawke's Bay and Wairarapa, helping our region's economic growth. And here's the part that affects housing. There's hundreds of people working on the highway with, with the aim of locals making up 60% of the workforce and that aids, further aids growth and the cycle path should encourage tourism. I'm looking forward to using that myself. So the road cuts through farmland and skirts the edge of QE2 Covenant land but the overall project will involve the planting of about 2 million trees. It includes 46 hectares of native forest and pest control and 300 hectares of forest reserve. So that's pretty cool. Where did the name of the highway come from? That's quite interesting. It mirrors the name given to the peak above Te Apiti Manawatu Gorge where Turanga Imua of Rangatane, the son of Turi, the captain of the waka that sailed from Hawaii as part of the Māori migration to Aotearoa, New Zealand, was killed. Iwi in the area have been heavily involved in the planning and they've been working with Waka Kotahi, New Zealand Transport Agency and its partners. And you can go to their website, uh, the New Zealand Transport Agency, to see the road. It's expected to be ready, fingers crossed, by 2025. Other local news that will bring people to the area, or at least uh, could potentially have a little bit of bearing on, on house prices nearby, is at the focal point. Palmerston North has now opened after three years of delays. So it's got four boutique cinema styles with a total of 138 seats, a function room and a cafe that was booming when it opened recently. The owner, Matt Bell, said he wanted the complex to feel special when people came through the doors and he describes it as plush 1920s, the era between World War I and the Great Depression. It was a roaring and affluent time. To get people to come to the movies, it has to be an experience, and there are plenty of ways to watch content, content but no one has this set up at home. The build's took, taken more than three years, and major structural changes were made to the building to make it more earthquake safe and to lift the ceilings. It was more work than we inspected, he says. So still a few tweaks coming along, but really it's designed for a slightly older audience than teenagers, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, there is also this now... Uh, becomes part of uh, Bell's cinemas, which include Levin, Fielding and Hastings. So an article here from the, about the house prices uh, from stuff in the Manawatu Standard talks about how the Manawatu Wanganui region continues to feature high on the list of regions smashing records for house prices. So outside of Auckland, our region was second only to Tasman for the annual house price increases, according to the figures that I quoted from earlier. And underlying the strong growth in prices was a dearth of listings, with our region one of the eight to have the lowest inventory levels ever. So homes have been selling well above their asking price, and Institute spokesman Andy Stewart said the results were incredible. He said the figures rebuffed as absolute rubbish. Any suggestions real estate agents were talking up market prices? We've got an article about that later in the show. The market is driven by demand for property and what potential buyers are prepared to pay to secure their property. The strong demand for properties and the critical shortage of available listings is the catalyst for this extreme seller's market. Stewart said real estate companies were being able to present several offers to vendors within a couple of weeks of a property being put on the market. 
There were 136 house sales in November, which was up a bit on October, but as I mentioned earlier in this show, down considerably from this time last year. Now, where are they selling? Well, only 4% of the sales were under 400,000, 80% were over 500,000, and 8 above a million dollars. It's really interesting to see where house prices are going. Areas like Hokufiru, for example, are approaching $1 million for many of the properties there. Fielding recorded 29 house sales with a median of 520,000, well above the median rating value of 385 and above the median asking price of 450. Six homes sold in Ashurst at a median of 570000 and prices were lower in Foxton Township and Foxton Beach at a median of 451000 and 480000 respectively. So it's really interesting to see how things are going. Um, Andy Stewart says it just isn't sustainable. With the data out early this week showing that home ownership is at its lowest in 70 years, the gap between those that own and those that rent is just going to keep growing unless we can do something to start addressing the supply issue that the company has. So a bit more about the market. Uh, here's a typical example um, from an article here in the lifestyle section of stuff. House sales up 30% as prices hit new records. Hundreds of people passed through the Harcourts Gold Papua Nui auction house on December the 3rd, 2020 as the city's property market continues to heat up. Property sales in November are up nearly 30% on the same time last year after an incredible month of selling. So figures across the Real Estate Institute show that 9,885 properties were sold in November across the country and that's the highest number of properties sold since March 2007. Real estate agents have been accused of adding fuel to the housing fire with price estimates. They've been accused of manipulating the so-called estimated prices on websites as well. And that's, I don't know if there's anything to that, but it is possible to go on certain sites and enter in updated valuations, which is something to be aware of if you're a buyer. Bindi Norwell, the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand's chief executive, said the incredible performance of the market has generated turnover not seen before the global financial crisis. And part of this is likely to be attributed to the people wanting to purchase property ahead of Christmas, partly due to the Reserve Bank announcing in November that it would undertake a consultation in December to reintroduce loan-to-value ratios earlier than planned. That's making it harder for people to buy so really it's been a uh, pretty pretty busy times in property. Uh, we're going to go to a little bit of music here now on Property Matters. I've got for you Victoria by the Dance Exponents. <laughs> to what 
opera With Cosmopolitan and Alvin Toffler Meeting in the places that she's never been to She's got a mind but it's the clothes they see through Victoria What do you want from him? Listening to Property Matters here on MPR Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo, Irirangi o Natangata o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson. That was the dance exponents with Victoria. Love that song. It's been a while since I've heard it, so I thought I'd just pop that on the show today. Bit of Kiwi music, of course. So we were talking about the market before the break. We'll carry on just a little bit longer, just because I was referring to in my reports on the market that Tararua has gone up 64 percent. So this article is sort of related in a sense to that. This from Stuff Lifestyle. Wellington City median house price approaches $1 million and there's no sign of a slowdown. That's a scary headline. We're talking city, the middle of Wellington. So Wellington's housing market continues to set jaw-dropping new records with properties being snapped up for astronomical prices in a matter of days, according to these figures that came out, of course, in the last few days. There is no sign that the frenzied market will cool any time soon, agents warn, with one saying this may in fact turn out to be the calm before the storm. The new figures come out as Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr said a new agency was needed to coordinate the response to the housing crisis and rebuffed Finance Minister's Grant Robertson's suggestion that it add house prices to its monetary policy remit. Government agencies already have a wide range of levers that could be used to address housing issues, Orr wrote in a letter to Robertson, but the key issue is making sure that those different levers were coordinated. 
And as Orr and Robertson continued their back and forth about how to temper the market, the new figures come out. So median house price in Wellington City had risen 22.5% in the last year to stand at $980,000, and almost a third of the region's homes now sell for more than a million. And uh, the property in the capital sold on average 28 days after being listed, the fastest since the end of 2006, before the global crisis began to take hold. And even that number is probably too high, said Mark Coffey, a Hutt Valley real estate agent and the Wellington Regional Director for the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. Literally every house that we list, we can sell inside a week. And that's happening here in Manawatu as well. Just the day, number of days that the Real Estate Institute quotes relates to the, the settlement. The, although don't quote me on that, it could actually relate to the unconditional date. But either way, it's not a reflection of how quick properties are under contract. So agents say the astonishing increases are a result of a perfect storm of low interest rates and demand from overseas and alarmed first-time buyers. It's quite phenomenal, said Antonio Brown, sales director at Harcourt's Wellington City. Houses were generally selling for 25% over their rateable value, but Harcourt's this week sold a house in Brooklyn auction for more than $1.6 million, 40% over its rating value, and double what the owners had paid for it only four years ago. Imagine that. That's like they've made $200,000 a year. Uh, since they've owned that house. The Reserve Bank is under attack for pouring fuel on the house price bonfire with its latest move to boost the economy, but its defenders say it's not the bank's job to control the housing market. And every house that Harcourts had sold at auction in Whitby and Altea this week had fetched more than $1.2 million, Brown said. There were often six to eight offers on a property, but it wasn't unusual to get 18 offers on one house. And would-be buyers are becoming increasingly frustrated, sometimes angry people, he said. That FOMO we hear about is very real, and that's the abbreviation for the fear of missing out. So people, if they can't afford to buy in Wellington, are tending to look north, and they look north on both sides of the island, and again, that's why I suspect one of the reasons that Tararua housing has gone up so much Another reason I suspect that, of course, is the uh, replacement gorge road getting underway and the workers needing um, accommodation, etc. So here's a bit of an extreme example from Wairarapa. A 30-square-metre home, let's just think about that for a moment, that's 6 metres by 5 metres if you were to do it that way, or 3 metres by 10. A 30-square-metre home in the Wairarapa sold for almost, wait for it, $600,000. So it's a 30 square metres house, doesn't have a proper kitchen and its rateable value is 170000 but a converted garage in the Wairapa town has just sold for under $600,000. It's a studio on a 440 square metre section on Daniel Street, Martinborough, sold for five ninety five on December the 2nd. Tremaine, real estate sales consultant Pete Sykes, said the price was up there given the size of the land in the building. This is a bit unusual, but the market has been a bit unusual since COVID, he said. He's been expecting... Or we'd been expecting to sell the property to from four to five hundred thousand. The seller is in the process of relocating up north. He's used it as a place to stay for a little while. He was looking to move, so it was a good result for him. Amazing! It just had a small bathroom, living area, sleeping area, and kitchenette. Had three bidders, and at the end, who knew? At the end, who knew the value of that property? Could see the bigger picture. What sort of return you could get on investment once you did the build there, and still had the studio, which you could Airbnb and get a return off. So that's probably what people will do. They'll probably buy it and then put a house on there too.
But there was also a lot of interest from Wellington, from buyers who are looking for a weekend place to stay. Isn't that incredible? So you would have heard me say on the show before, the fundamental problem with the housing market at the moment is not enough houses. So this article was quite relevant from Stuff Business. Pressure on to build more houses could compromise quality, researchers say. This is the Building Research Association of New Zealand, who we know as Brands, Senior Research Analyst Matt Curtis and Senior Research Economist Daniel Duplessis told Stuff the country's building industry was categorised characterised by many small firms competing against each other. The industry was facing a labour shortage along with issues in material supply chains and the increasing pressure to build more houses as fast as possible. And that's what they see as a combination that could lead to quality being compromised. We see the crisis as a supply shortage. Therefore, given the need to build a lot of houses as quickly as possible, we have general concerns about the quality of what's going to be delivered, Curtis and Duplessis said. The potential addition of a large number of houses to the stock in a short time frame may mean they will not be as energy efficient and carbon friendly as is necessary to meet targets in that space. Affordability concerns continue to be top of mind as well. The researchers said statistics showed a long-term decrease in home ownership levels in New Zealand. They say we expect a large larger number of rental properties to be owned by institutional investors at the expense of the ma and pa investor. Some of the concerns are that those providers may be based overseas, in effect, absent landlords, meaning less community involvement from the landlord. Victoria University School of Architecture Associate Professor Dr Morton Gerd said prefabricated homes could be a solution. You see, prefabrication gives us the opportunity to create buildings in better controlled environments that can be built more efficiently into a higher standard, he said. He said there also needed to be more solutions outside the current situation of private development interest to solve the housing crisis. We have a supply chain for housing that relies almost exclusively on private development interests to build our new housing for profit. And you might recall that I've spoken on this program before about how often the properties that are most profitable for developers are those which don't meet the demand. So developers tend to build four-bedroom homes, double garage, couple of bathrooms. What is required are two- to three-bedroom homes. The data overwhelmingly shows us that. He says another way of creating new housing is for people to work together collectively to make decisions that will enable the housing to be built to suit their needs and where they retain the profit, or better still, to build higher standards for the same amount of money, and that's worked very well in places like Norway for the past 100 years. He says the construction industry needs to take a long view. The way we built Build in Aotearoa invites change and upgrading. Light timber framing is very adaptable, but I don't think the buildings themselves present that bigger barrier. The biggest barrier, in my view, is financial, where people's financial well-being is tied closely to the value of their house and home. Private owners are resistant to spend money to upgrade unless they can see a return on that investment within a relatively short period. We don't have long horizons when we make decisions about housing, he said. He said the future building... Future housing in New Zealand could be more sustainable, both in the way it was built and where houses were built. We will be living more closely. We need to in order to address many of the challenges like climate change, but also to enjoy the benefits such as increased services. Future housing will also be more diverse, catering to the diverse needs of people. Aotearoa is not as it was in the 1950s, so why should our housing be... And that's all we've got time for this week on Property Matters. It's been nice having your company. I know there was a lot about the market in there, but it is quite topical at the moment. 
and thank you for tuning in. You'll find this where all good podcasts are found so that you can download and take it with you on your travels. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.